And that was one of a big, one of the big factors that helped me gain trust was not only I was doing this free work in order to get that experience under my belt in, in the actual profession. Welcome to the No Excuse Pro Podcast, your weekly dose of motivation and actionable advice. If you're a realtor, financial planner, business owner, or anyone who's tired of making excuses and ready to take your success to the next level, you've come to the right place. Join your host, Kevin Brierton, each week as he chats with industry leaders who are going beyond the excuses to achieve their goals. So no excuses accepted. Let's get started. So Morgan, thanks so much for joining me on here. I believe that a lot of people, whether it's salespeople, business owners, not-for-profit, have goals and dreams of something they want to do and an impact they want to leave uh, in the world, but they have a lot of excuses on why they don't actually fulfill those um, goals and dreams. I don't believe it's anything that people are doing necessarily wrong. I, I do believe that there's a lot of roadblocks to get in the way. So part of what I want to do with this interview is help, whether it's realtors, financial advisors, business owners, investors, break through some of those excuses and figure out how people like you are doing it and learn from your either mistakes or your wins. So Morgan, I know you're an amazing realtor, one of the best in the business here in Arizona, probably nationwide. You're early in your career. I want to ask you, what led you to become a realtor? Ooh, I think it was kind of a roundabout way that I got into it. I always thought I was going to hold real estate as rental properties um, and maybe short-term properties. I was going to hold that on the side of whatever career I was going to do. And as soon as I got into ASU, I started pre-med, quickly figured out pre-med was not for me at all. I lasted two months and I was like, you know what? I was ditching classes and I was actually going to real estate development seminars. It was an interest that I had for a long time. And that year, ASU came out with a real estate development program. So I jumped over to that and did business entrepreneurship. And I got my license right away. So right when I was 18, got licensed, started actually diving into the the development side of real estate, the investment side of real estate on top of just sales. And that just spurred it right away. I knew I had that interest. And all of a sudden, these things clicked. And I was able to run and really put all of these things into practice with my team. And that's pretty much how I got started but getting started this young definitely comes with you make you make mistakes. People don't trust you at that age. You it's a very different kind of market, and you just have to do it to figure out what not to do again, what things worked, and continue on from there. So you must have had to overcome some fears when you were starting out, especially you know starting out in college and growing a career. So what has been your greatest fear, and how did you overcome it? Ooh, I think especially at the beginning and every now and then that, that even pops up now, one of my biggest fears was, especially young, why would somebody trust me with one of the biggest purchases that they're going to make in their life? Why would they trust me? Especially now when, you know, when I was just starting out, it was a great market. Then COVID hit and it was an easy market to get into. And it was just that trust factor. And I had to just put in the work, do an insane amount of kind of practical experience through my team, which they were awesome at, that I could learn everything from the sales side on either side, whether I was just shadowing and showing up and making myself really useful in projects, even if I wasn't getting paid for it, and just get that experience under my belt. That way I could speak to all of these different factors and earn that trust 
But I think that was the biggest fear at the beginning of why is somebody going to trust an 18 year old, a 20 year old, a 22 year old with one of their biggest purchases? Yeah. So I think you hit on something that's interesting. I mean, a lot of people are fearful of, well, a lot of people don't want to put the time in to work for free to learn to then be valuable later on. And something that Rich Dad Poor Dad book talks about and Robert Kiyosaki Mm -hmm. talks about is the rich don't work for money. And you start like trying Mm -hmm. to wrap your head around there. Like, well, what do they work for? Of course they work for money. Well, the day in, day out actual work is not what they, they don't trade their time for work. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that what you talked about is you did work to learn to then become more valuable. And that's a big takeaway. A lot of people don't address the the fear and address how to actually overcome it and how to become more valuable. So I just think it's awesome. I think that that's my big takeaway when I heard that story. I think that um, you did something that a lot of people mm-hmm. would not do. I think it's yeah. important to learn that. Yeah, I think that's invaluable. And on top of that, kind of with that experience, I also started investing into real estate when I was young. I bought my first condo when I was 19. And even though it was a tiny purchase at the time, the purchase price was 165 at the time, which, I mean, you can't find now, but that, well, I was 19. That was a major purchase for me. And that was one of a big, one of the big factors that helped me gain trust was not only I was doing this free work in order to get that experience under my belt in, in the actual profession. But then I was also investing into real estate. I was getting my own personal experience in the real estate industry that I could then talk about. And by the time I was 24, I had owned many different primaries. I had built a few houses. I had done major renovations on it. I would bought rental properties. I had a lot of experience at a young age because I got started and I was okay failing at the beginning or working for free at the beginning. And it sucked a little bit, but it also, it got that ball rolling way quicker than if I had just, you know, done the bare minimum or worked for money and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as a realtor, you know, realtor can be a tough road. I know right now as we're recording this is into 2023. I know a lot of realtors have exited the business or yeah. struggling. Um, how do you stay focused during difficult times? I think there are ebbs and flows in real estate. There always will be. There'll never be one straight line, even if it's only slight shifts, but you're going to have your big ones too. And so if you start looking at your business as ebbs and flows are going to happen. I'm going to have moments that they're going to be small downturns. How can I use those downturns or those shifts in markets to my benefit? If there's a downturn, how can I start refocusing on my business practices? How can I really automate my back end? How can I invest into my business so that when that when that new turn comes, I am more prepared. I can take on even more business. And I think that was a shift in my mindset that made a huge difference of use those shifts to your advantage. You don't want to just sit there and be like, oh no, none of my clients are, none of my clients are buying anymore. They're waiting for interest rates to decrease or whatever it is. Um, But then also finding that there are opportunities in any market, regardless of what's going on, you just have to search for them or be creative And I think that's another reason why I have been successful in some downturns or markets where a lot of realtors or lenders are getting out of the business because I can switch strategies to fit my clients in order to, 
you know, find something that works for them, not just for a blanket statement of the industry. Yeah. Well, Morgan is, I don't, I don't believe you give up, give up on a lot, mm -hmm. but have you ever given up on something that you wish you hadn't? Ooh, that's actually a good question. I feel like I've had a few of those missed opportunities that, especially starting out young, I think one opportunity that I had was, cause I also am a, a small time developer. I do a little bit of infill. Um, when I was young and my first project that I want to take on, I was pitching to a few private investors. I wanted to take on um, a multifamily project. It was only, it was going to be small four units that we were going to redevelop. There was already a duplex on it and we were going to build on two more units. And I had done the, the whole pro pharma. I was very prepared and the private investors came back with terms that were really close to if everything worked out with this projected, I would make a decent amount of money, but I was like, oh no, I'm really nervous about what, what if things go wrong? There are things that I don't have the direct experience. I had some experience shadowing other people, but I hadn't had direct experience of me taking on all of that. And I, I decided not to do it. The market at that point was shifting just a little bit. If I had had a crystal ball, I would have known COVID was going to skyrocket that. And that would have worked in my favor, but I got, I got cold feet and I backed out. And of course with COVID now I'm really kicking myself, but I got to do all of that work. I got to do the projected, I mean, I got to do all the projections, the full performer, actually talk to private investors, work on that negotiation because it's completely different. And the next time, and that was during COVID, I started my own development company, took that on. I was so much more prepared, but man, that was, that was definitely a missed opportunity. And I've had a few of those like that, where I just had cold feet. I was a little bit nervous. Things seemed a little bit too close and I wasn't, I didn't take the risk at that time. And looking back on it now, I wish I had. Yeah. But you learn from it. You went through, you learned by going through the numbers. And I think that's, you know, a good thing to do too, because you got to have some dry runs at something before you yes. jump into something. And as an investor, what I think, you know, what I've seen is you got to take a lot of look at looks at look at the numbers. Like you got to see a lot of properties, look at a lot of numbers, say no to a lot. So you can say the right to the right, say yes to the right things. Because I think that's important. A lot of people will see whether it's, you know, first time home buyers or investors, sometimes they look at one or two properties and they go, oh, it doesn't work. It's like, well, got to look at a, a little bit more than that. So I think seeing those properties both helps you but also makes you know, more knowledgeable for your retail clients, buyers and sellers that are looking to buy a house for themselves too. Absolutely. And I think you, you just nailed something there where the more that you do those numbers and the more that you see that there are different options or creative ways to negotiate or different strategies in different markets, if you're doing that yourself, you're better for your clients because you can do the same thing for them. And I think that's something that allowed me to succeed in certain downturns of markets because I've, I've done numbers in many different markets on my own or for other clients or for investors or whatever it might be. So when I had a certain people who were like, Ooh, interest rates are rising. I'm going to, I'm going to step back and wait. I'm like, hang on. We might have some creative options, whether that's seller financing, buy downs, there were a lot of creative things that I found that allowed clients to stay in the market rather than stand on the sidelines and wait for, you know, year and a half, two years, however long that's going to last. And it allowed them to cash in on opportunities that they didn't think they had an opportunity to actually grab. And you can, 
They just didn't know it yet. So it allows you to provide much more value to your clients because you're you're teaching them and you're giving them opportunities that they don't have competition on now. Tell me about two like couple either service or resource or both that you provide that's a little unique that helps the customer experience and provide customer service to the customer. Yeah, I think one would be the fact that I know I have a lot of options and a lot of um different resources through through personnel or through software systems in order to give a big picture on properties that allows me to connect my clients and and their current financial picture and their future goals to a property, whether that's residential, commercial, buying a business, whatever that might be. And I'm good at finding that connection that's not always black and white, where it's like, hey, this is a house, it'll appreciate, it matches your financial goal, here you go. And instead I can give them options and I'm like, hey, here are some properties that could work for your appreciation goals and you know, fits your current your current goals, but allows you to get into a neighborhood or whatever it is. Or here's a business that I've already done numbers on and have projections going for you and have the resources to have a management company come in and manage that business for you. So it's not extra work off of your plate, but it nets more money. There's better cash flow here. And there's a creative opportunity to get there because I already know that the seller is willing to seller finance half of it. So normally, if you had to pay for all of it, you would not qualify. But because we've already worked out these numbers and we have everything in place that all you need to do is is purchase the property and we have the management in place, we have the tenant in place, we have everything going. And with seller financing, it's now an option. And this will net you more money than just this house. So I think one of my biggest advantages with service is being able to bridge that gap with many different things with the projections, with the personnel, with the software systems and provide those opportunities. Have you ever, have you ever had to turn down a client? Ooh, yes. Um, And honestly, I wish I had turned down a few more, especially at the beginning, but I have turned down some clients before. Tell me about a time. So um, yeah, I think we got to know that we are enough, that we have worth and that we don't need mm-hmm. to be you know, treated one way or the other. But I, it takes a little while to know who you are and kind of get your feet under you um, mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And I've had situations where it's easy, not as like a lender term down, but like saying, hey, you know what? It's just not the right fit. Sometimes, though, when you say that and then they like correct course and they go, oh, you know what? No, I, I want to work with you. It's just we'll get this worked out. Oh, okay, cool. And then they can become a great client. So it's an interesting one because if you do have enough confidence and you know self-worth to say, you know what, um, this just may not be a fit for us. We need to move on. I remember one specific one that we were, um, we had a mutual uh, realtor friend that we met a couple of years ago. And I remember the specific conversation about him being just, driven so hard to do all these different things and it was like you need to move on you know like mm-hmm. and that power to say you know what i'm not everything to everybody but i'll be the right things to the right people has a lot of power and gets the freedom back into your life that a lot of people need i think people get taken advantage of and then as a perfect sales professional real estate mortgage financial advising um our job's never done. Like we don't have hours, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it can become all consuming. 
And if you have a client that doesn't respect any time at all, then it can be even worse. And so I've seen a lot of people be driven to resent the business because it's just all consuming. They don't even care how much money they make. They just hate the business because they can never shut it off. And some people like let that affect their life, their, you know, health, their family life. And it's just, it's easy to go down that road. And so I don't know where I'm going with that, but I do think that there's some sort of formula to success. Um, what do you think? I mean, is there a pattern or formula to success? Ooh, I definitely think, I think the biggest pattern that I would say you need to have almost in any business, but definitely with entrepreneurship and real estate that I found is finding your niche and your messaging and being extremely consistent with it. Even if you think you kind of sound like a, a broken record, you don't, I, th I think a great example is social media. I do a lot of my business through social media. A lot of people do now. It's a free way to get a lot of content out, which is awesome. And you build your own platform with that you see what you are producing with content every single day that you are posting it. So you are always feeling like you sound like a broken record, especially when you niche down. You are saying the same thing over and over and over again. And I will sometimes get bogged down by it. I'm like, oh God, people don't want to hear this anymore. They don't want to hear about real estate opportunities and how it builds wealth and whatever my message is. And when I talk to other people, they're like, we love your stuff because they don't, they see one of my videos and then they see 10 million other people that they're following. And then they might see one more of my videos. So it's spread out. And they're actually, if you have the same messaging and the same niche all the time, it gets ingrained in them of, oh, Morgan's a realtor that works on building wealth. She's not just selling houses. Her messaging every time that I see her is this is a way to build wealth. Here's, here's an example of building wealth. And it actually goes a long way. So being able to say, okay, here's my niche. Here's my message. Every time that somebody sees me, they're going to know X about me. It's not bogging down their feed. It's promoting yourself and getting it ingrained in their head, exactly what you are and what you do in a very effective way. So I think that's something that I've come more into. I feel like I had to grow into that role because I still felt very weird but I think that consistency is really important, yeah. but I think you need to niche down in order to effectively do that. Because if you're just all over the place with real estate or whatever your business is, there's not really a, you're like Morgan does real estate, but it's 10 million different things that she's doing. It's not very clear. So once you niche down and have that consistency, I think those are the two patterns or formula that you need for your business. I think that's great. I think, I think we need to, a lot of what I hear a lot of times is people think that they need to go wider because they're, well, I don't want to help that mm -hmm. one person that has this one thing, or I want to, but I don't want to push this mm -hmm. away or I don't. And it's like, well, you can still do the deal if you want to. It's exactly. Just, the messaging has to be clear enough to be so people know, oh, Morgan, realtor investment, she does mm -hmm. cash flow, she helps people build wealth. You know, like mm -hmm. it should be that easy to come up with what that is. And you know, I struggle with that sometimes. I've been working on some of my messaging. And one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is because I've really drilled down about around the no excuse mentality. And, you know, I've shared a few stories where, you know, I believe that you should have a no excuse mentality at work, but also in your, your, you know, financial life, your mm -hmm. family life and other aspects of it. 
And so I'm going all in with the no excuse mentality and no excuse pro because kind of like what you're talking about is like, I want to build that brand around no excuses. And sometimes no excuses can be used a lot. So I'm like, okay, well, should I use it? I thought about this for like a year. I'm like, yes, mm -hmm. we're going. So for you to tell me that and say mm -hmm. that, it means a lot. And I mm -hmm. think that other people need to hear that. Get your messaging, get your why in place. I really want to have more worth uh, overall. Yeah. And so I've done some work on kind of drilling down what's most important to me. And you go, okay, money's important to pay bills. I want freedom. Mm -hmm. I want to be there to my, help my partners and, and be have freedom for my family. And I keep drilling down, have impact. And when I really drilled it down is I want to have worth and I want to be worthwhile mm -hmm. to my partners, my clients, my family, uh, my friends. And if I can help people break through some of their excuses, because I, I've had a couple instances where I've had help people with some breakthroughs and that's, what's rewarding. You know, you're like, it's, there's something more to what we're doing and the, the avenue just happens to be mortgage and real estate, but there's mortgage and real estate though, is huge because you're dealing with somebody's house, their finances mm -hmm. and their family. And to be able to impact that and impact the communities around it, just think if every, all of our communities were only rentals and nobody owned anything, like how kind of, how be a different type of community that we would have? We got to people, we have to have people own a property to have, like, I know multiple people, a few people we've helped, a lot of our clients, families, once they have a house, all of a sudden now that, you know, that they're married and all of a sudden they have a house. Now they feel like they're comfortable enough to have kids where before, mm -hmm. I, I mean, we've, I've seen it where they moving around house to house. They don't even want to start a family because they're not comfortable in their situation. And so like, it has a yeah. bigger impact overall. Yeah, I think that's, it's so important. And when you're able to niche that down to connect all of those pieces, you actually are, you're putting boundaries in place for yourself and for your business, both personal and professional. And that allows you to not be spread so thin. So every person that does come into your circle, you can help better. You can really bridge that gap between what, what they can do, what they want and what they need and you're making a bigger impact because you're not spread thin with all of these different clients that, you know, I think takes a while to get there because at the beginning, most of us, we, we don't have a ton of clients and you want to get experience. So you're taking on anybody and everybody. And if you keep that going, you will burn out because it's too hard to do that. You have to niche down. And once you do that and you put those boundaries in place, and sometimes you, you fire a client or you, you have to have a tough conversation. And maybe like you said, they, they're like, no, wait, we want to work with you. And that's fine too. But once you can put those boundaries in place and really enact them, you are more effective in every personal and business relationship that you have. Yeah. Tell me about a time that you uh, really helped out a client. And I want you to frame it where the client's the hero. So a situation Ooh. that comes to mind where you're helping a client, but the client was really he the hero in the story. And why were they the hero? Interesting. I like this. Hmm. I kind of think this is um, a, a fairly newer client of mine. Um, and I, I think of them as a, a kind of a hero in this, in my industry, but also in my personal life. 
um, for a few different things. They, I think I, I look up to them a lot. They have their hands in so many different pots because they want to be effective for their family. They want to make an impact. They want to give back to charities. So everything that they do is to better themselves and better the people around them. And it's a very admirable thing to do, but he embodies it with his entire, I mean, everything that he does, he's a connector. He's trying to move the needle in his life, his friend's life, his community's life, his kid's life, everything is like that. And I was able to come in and meet him at a, a kind of rough point of his life. He had always done this. Um, he had his hands in many different businesses, a lot in the real estate industry. Um, and he was going through a heartbreaking um, family death. And um, one of his children got really sick afterwards. And he was dealing with this family mess. And he was like, I need to let go of some of these projects that I have going on. And even if I'm losing money on them, I need to get out of them to focus on my family. And so we found really creative ways to make it as seamless as possible for him to get out of these, even if we try, we tried very hard and actually succeeded at him not losing much money. And we were able to let go, take things off of his plate so he could really invest his time with his family. And after doing so, it only took him about six months of letting go, diving into his family, kind of disappearing from the world. And now he's back up and running and all of a sudden he's doing projects in Honduras and we're doing projects in Sedona and picking up more projects now, but being able to give him that time to refocus on the things that matter deep to his core and then rebuild. I think that he was already a hero and then being able to step away made him even more so. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think that is why, I think that is why when you hear no excuse, it's like, you know, rough around, like kind of like just have grit, get it done. And what I actually think it is more about is being able to see those misses and making sure you don't miss something that's really important because you can mm -hmm. say, okay, well, I, no excuses, just get out there and sell this or sell that. The challenge with that is that's not what it's about. So you have to have a mentality to stop and you can't just be dragging your family through the mud or dragging your friends through the mud or, you know, your fa finances, mm -hmm. your story, they gave up money to be able to slow down and do what they needed to do. And unfortunately, not everybody does that. You know, people just keep yeah. pushing, pushing, pushing. And that's not what this is about. It's about slowing down. I um I also want to work on a no excuse dad direction mm -hmm. because they are, or parent. Um, but I believe that having some um, processes in place that allow you to make sure you're around your family um, for the right times and reasons. You know, this afternoon, I'll be heading over to my daughter's school to do an art project. And it's like, there's certain things that just need to be non-negotiables and there's no excuse to not be there, you know? And so yes. it's so easy to be, and I always think of the old movie, Liar, Liar, and he tells his kids he's going to be as birthday party and it's like how many times do kid kids don't want to hear that over and over yeah i'll be there i'll be there and then how many people are not there and i think mm -hmm. it's just something that is rampant through um overall with professionals and i think it's something that you know we can help people with and, and it may be more like identifying it in social interactions too so it's not always you know this mass social media push or anything like that it's just being aware 
and then calling your friends out like, hey, you know what? Um, maybe you should do this instead. Or, hey, I haven't seen you around this. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you should be. And so having those little impactful moments on people's lives really can make a difference. And I've had a couple of those in my life where I'm like, man, I'm glad I said something. You know, I don't want to overstep yeah. my boundaries, but it, you know, it needed to be said. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And that's something definitely in the last two years, I've really tried to put in place in my personal life as well. Because when I first started out in real estate, I just, I don't think I had a personal life. I think it was just a professional life. And I was like, I'm getting my career off the ground and this is all I'm going to do. And I did not have those boundaries in place. And I wasn't, I didn't show up as a good friend. I didn't show up as a good significant other. I didn't show up as a good daughter sometimes because I was always busy and you know, I made it so that my career was a priority, which is a priority. But now that I've really tweaked my business and I put these boundaries in place, I feel like there's always going to be ebbs and flows where sometimes some, some big thing is going to happen in career or personal life or whatever. There's always going to be those, but overall, I feel like I show up better in all areas of my life now because I realize how important that actually is. My clients are important to me, but so is my family. And so, so, so am I personally, like, I like having individual time now and I never, never even pieced that in before. And because I do now, I'm even better for my clients more so than when I was working for them 24 seven. Well, I'm so proud of you because Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't recognize that. And what they do is they just burn out and then they quit and then they go get a regular job. And it's like, well, hold on here. That's not the right. (laughs) Yeah, you can do you can do this a better way. And I was just talking to a professional in the mortgage business. that was 22 years in, never really took the time to step back. And now she's doing it. And it's like, well, man, what would your life be like if you did this, you know, 15 years ago? So you're doing a great job. I, if you could wave a magic wand, um, what three things would you change? Ooh, about anything? About anything. Ooh, okay. I think the first one, just because it's right there in the real estate industry, my magic wand would be the piece of information that I want everybody to sink in with is it does not matter what's happening in the market or the headlines. There are opportunities to be found. It does not mean that everything is worth buying, but just have an open mind and do your research. Don't have these blanket statements of like, nope, not going to look at anything because interest rates are too high or something's happening. So that would be one magic wand of be be open and do your research and make the right decisions and have a right professional team around you, but don't make those excuses. <laughs> um, what else would it be? I think another one would be from a young age, actually being taught about personal finances, real estate investments in a in-depth practical way. I, I think that is something that is so valuable. And I wish I had learned that more in high school than you know in college and after. And I think the third one on more of a personal level would be learning to be with yourself, like everybody getting to know themselves on a really deep individual level because it's uncomfortable at the beginning. But when you know that you're better everywhere else in your life. And I wish that was a magic wand that could be easy of just either having more time in general or 
having the, the, the courage and the encouragement to do so. Do you think, why do you think people don't do that? I think, I think a lot of our culture, especially recently has been that hustle culture. So I think part of it is like, if you're reading a book or doing all these other things, you could be doing something better. You could be more productive with work. You could be whatever it is. So I think that's part of it. Um, and I think another piece, and I think it, it was part of my, why I struggled with it too, is if I'm not doing something productive for work to get a goal, which is financial or whatever it might be, why do I get to go get a massage? Why do I get to just read? Why do I get to just chill and relax when I could just be productive, 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 productive to meet this goal? And that just leads to burnout. So I think that's, but I think a lot of people are used to that. Of We go to school, we go to sports afterwards, we have to do homework, we have to do these things, repeat. You never have time to sit and relax. And when you do, sometimes you're called lazy. And so it just starts that spiral. You're, uh, I, I have an issue with always wanting to go and I've been working on stopping, enjoy, even if it's as simple as enjoying the food you're eating, you know, yeah. fast, right. And it's like, you know, you have a good meal in front of you or you're at lunch or lunch and breakfast is the worst sometimes dinner, but it's like, you just chow it down and you're like, well, hold on, let's just enjoy it and really be present in it and uh but it, it does have a stigma a lot of people do think you're lazy and then it's mm -hmm. like well okay, I don't want to be lazy and then it, maybe it's all in your head but I think yeah. that having a moment in your calendar to to really kind of have that piece be uh more intentional about it is there anything mm -hmm. that you put in your calendar to have some intentionality around being mindful and taking a minute to be aware of um your thoughts and maybe meditate yeah, so that's actually, and I'm I'm going to add a piece on the end of something that I'm trying to add back in because I loved it so much. But a, a big piece that I add in is a good chunk of time to go to the gym, but also have kind of a recovery session afterwards. And that can be whatever it wants, but I'll, I can go to the gym, go work out, lift, and I can either stay there and do a hot tub, cold plunge, go to the pool, whatever it is. Or I go to their recovery room and I'll read while I'm doing something. And it's something to also like reset my mind. Um, so those are more consistent ones that I actually have in my calendar. One that I used to do and I want to bring back because it really changed the way that I did things was uh, for a while when I first woke up, I mean, usually what we all do is grab our phones and we're automatically plugged into social media or messages or whatever it is. And for a long time, I kept my phone out um, in the kitchen or somewhere else. So that when I woke up, I didn't, I, that would not be the first thing that I would grab. And I would have to do something for me, whether that's a workout, just a walk, reading for a little bit, taking a bath, whatever it is, it is for me without a device. I am, I'm not touching my device for the first hour that I'm awake. And it made thing, it made me slow down. I could sit with my own thoughts or I could be like really dive into a book and be in that world. And then, you know, after that hour, when I actually got ready for work and started plugging into my phone, my mindset, I was so much more productive because I already prioritized myself. I don't have these other internal thoughts that are like, oh God, what, when am I going to get a workout in? When am I going to relax? When am I going to whatever? It allowed me to totally dive into work and be present there. And I, and I, that is something that I got away from a little bit 
And I really want to bring back because that changed my entire day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a big deal. I think that's a bigger deal than we let on to be because like, so I do the same. Th I actually put my phone in. I've done it probably for four years. I put my phone in a different room and I'm lucky enough that I wake up without an alarm. But mm -hmm. if I absolutely need an alarm, I have a backup phone that doesn't really have any connectivity, but just is an old phone that has mm -hmm. an alarm. And I use that. Now, I think that it, what's it's so easy just to kind of go, okay, let me just grab it and wake up, whatever. But it, it really um, undermines what you're doing. So what I've started doing is checking email mid-morning. So not too late, but mid-morning. Um, and then middle of the day and end of the day, email is a lot like social media, at least for me, where it let, it directs your day. So you may have an agenda. You're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta help this client do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. And then all of a sudden you get one urgent semi, or let's say it's not really urgent, but it looks like it's urgent. You get it at seven 30 and then it's in your mind the whole morning and now you're, mm -hmm. you, you're not any good for anybody. So one thing that I learned years ago, and then I got away from kind of like what you're saying was not checking my email till a little bit later in the morning. You know, I would say even nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, mm -hmm. something like that. Like there's nothing bad that's going to happen at nine o'clock in the morning. Like if you don't check yes. it until nine, nothing's, nobody's going to expect you to respond. It's fine. You know? So mm -hmm. like nine, nine 30, then you can, you can cry. I, I like batching a lot of stuff. So if you're going to do emails, yeah. you batch it, but that gives you time in the morning. So how, whatever it looks like um, for different people, I think it's good to have awareness around the morning and keeping some protections in place, whether it's keeping the phone in a different room or not checking your email till later or social media phones now have social media trackers. So you could like say no more than 30 minutes on X social media. Mm -hmm. so that's huge uh, for people because I just think that people um, held to their own devices would just obsess about these things. So I think- Oh yeah. Good. Do you use anything yeah. like that? I actually, I have a limit. So I have an hour limit on all my social media platforms. So all of them combined, I can only do one hour a day and it gives me that reminder. And every now and then there'll be a day that I'm batching content together. So that's, then I can be like, no, I'm, I'm choosing to ignore this message and I'm going back into it. Yeah. And, but it allows me, there'll be other times, even if it's just, you know, a Sunday that I'm just hanging out doing things. When that reminder pops up, I'm like, Ooh, I've spent a lot of time on Instagram or whatever it is. And you're like, wow, I haven't, and it's not productive. I'm just going in this rabbit hole loop. And sometimes it's good to just, veg out and focus on other things and whatever. But I want that, I like that reminder to be like, ooh, but it's not it's not productive right now. Do something else, switch your habit. And I definitely think that's product, more productive for me. So I, I needed to put that in place. Yeah, very cool. Well, what do you want to accomplish over the next 90 days? And, and also, uh, why is it important to you? Mm. So I've been going through kind of a, a branding switch, not necessarily a switch, but diving further into my niche. Um, my biggest niche has been promoting how real estate is a wealth building tool and how to use it as one. And I'm now taking that, that is still my number one thing that I will always and forever believe in and promote. 
I'm taking that a step further and I'm really expanding it into not just single family residential, but I'm doing bigger multifamily, some commercial and industrial as well, and finding opportunities that move the needle in different ways so that when a client comes to me, I'm not just sitting here and I only have houses and condos and that kind of thing available. I have this entire plethora of real estate opportunities in all of Arizona. I have an entire network in the country. I now have opportunities outside of the country like Costa Rica and Honduras. And I'm just spreading my, my network and expertise in order to provide opportunities for people and then match them to their specifics. Um, so I think in the next 90 days, I've been really focusing on that branding switch and I want to start really focusing on creating content and um, providing numbers and opportunities more readily available to my clientele and just people that follow me and find me on social media. What do you think the biggest challenge your followers face today, specifically your followers? What do you think the biggest challenge is? I think the biggest ones, which is perfect for this podcast, is those excuses almost because you see the headlines, you see what everybody in the industry is kind of saying and being able to take those headlines and break them down into actionable information of do, do the interest rates actually affect you or other, are there other creative ways um, to capitalize on an opportunity for you? Um, so I think the biggest thing that they're running into is is the headlines, those just blanket statements that don't, it, there's no one size all um, approach to real estate. But I think that that catches a lot of people, whether they've done a lot of business in the real estate industry or not, it catches them and maybe just creates a hesitation, if not a, a halt. So that's something that I've been really focusing on, uh, on is that education of giving numbers for the current market and explaining why that could be beneficial to a, a specific buyer, a specific group of buyers in today's market and how that might benefit them in a different market or how they could switch in a different market. Um, but I think that's, it's almost those excuses that are those, those catching points. Yeah. What do you want on your resume in the next two to three years? Mm, I would love to start getting some out of the country opportunities on my resume. Uh, I have a few things that I'm starting to market, but I want something actually like closed and trying to move the needle in those bigger outreach real estate opportunities. What, what may, what's, why is that important to you? I think I want to, be, my overall goal is I want to be seen as somebody in the real estate industry that anybody, regardless of what country or state that they're in, they could come to me at least for advice, if not for actual opportunities they could capitalize on. And I just want to be seen as an expert that is there to actually help. I'm not here to sell you on something. I'm here to show you if an opportunity is worthwhile or vet one that you have on your own um, and just be seen as a resource. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, you're definitely a resource. You do an awesome job. Um, what's your Instagram handle if people wanted to follow you? Mine, my handle on all my social media is just Morgan Hawes, um, underscore real estate on anything you can find me for that. Yeah. Easy enough. Well, you do put a lot of good stuff out there. 
I really appreciate you as a friend, partner. Mm-hmm. You're just your awesome energy. You're always positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I really mean that, you know, you do a great job and, um, you know, it's always good to get connected with people through, you know, referrals. That's mm-hmm. why I met you, you know, and, uh, you've done a great job from some of our clients that we've referred you clients. We've worked together and I'm just excited to see your progression over the years. I mean, I know you're doing, you're going to do some awesome mm-hmm. things and I'm excited just to see where you go and, uh, you know, help you accomplish, you know, be here to support you in whatever I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love hearing your stories. I love hearing your energy. I love that you want to take this bigger than the United States because our world is really kind of shrunk now. So people yeah. are invested here, they're invested. Mm-hmm. And so if you can help people more holistically, you become a lot more valuable mm-hmm. than just like this one mm-hmm. little tiny thing. So I think that's an awesome way to look at this because you're not just the Scottsdale or Phoenix realtor, you're an, a real estate investor and, but more of a, an advisor for them um, mm-hmm. in multiple areas. So then that's just going to keep that cycle going. You can add value. Sometimes that value means you get paid on something. Sometimes mm-hmm. that means you don't get paid on something, but you can mm-hmm. continue to add value to people. Um, it all, it all works out in the end from what I've seen. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that. And that's definitely what I want to capitalize on. And I think that's something that you embody really well too. Of I know that even if I have a question that's super random, that you know, it's not a loan or whatever it is, I know that I couldn't contact you and be like, hey, I just want to run an idea by you. How can I be creative? How could something with if I had a client that is X, Y, and Z, how can I make this opportunity work, if at all? And I know that I can send clients your way and whatever questions that they have, whether they're in the box or outside the box, you're going to handle it. And having people like that in your network is so massive for the people that are not just looking for paycheck to paycheck, because there's many of those, but the ones that are there to actually move the needle in the industry, whether you get paid or not. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, again, I really appreciate you jumping on. You're amazing. And um, we will... uh, be getting this out to everybody. Hopefully there's so many little nuggets here that mm-hmm. Morgan shared. I just think that, um, I think that's important to pull those out and implement them. So get out there, take no excuses, make your dreams come true. I really appreciate you guys watching. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. And there you have it, folks. Another enlightening episode of the No Excuse Pro podcast is in the books. A heartfelt thank you to today's guests for sharing their wisdom and to you, our valued listeners, for spending your time with us. If you're ready to ditch the excuses and level up, make sure to subscribe and find all our episodes at noexcusepropodcast.com. Don't forget, the only thing standing between you and your goals is the story you tell yourself. So no excuses accepted here. Take action and make it happen.